everybody. Welcome to another installment of the Beehive Sports Podcast. A little different, you know. We got Cabo here this time, which is wild. It's kind of nice. We missed him. Got Hunter, Devin, and we're all on our phones. What the heck, guys? What's going on? Everyone via phone. I couldn't get into the ESPN studios this week. Got SLC Stars and Utah Jazz stuff every day of the week. So, no ESPN, but... It was such a big sports week, I figured we have to do something, you know. True. Of course. So I literally have rigged up. There is a microphone pinned to my pants, which is recording the sound via the phone, and a second microphone pinned to my shirt, recording my voice, all hooked up to my iPad as we get on this four-way phone call with me, Alex, Devin, and Tabo. What's up, guys? What's up, dude? It's gonna be crazy, man. We like it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing my best, uh, Jared Carabas impersonation. I'm in the closet right now of me and Devin's apartment, in the closet with this whole rig going on, leaned up against my wall of shoes with a blanket over my head for some sort of like sound insulation. So we're, we're it's great. It's, we've taken a big step back from the ESPN studios. Um, to now literally a closet with a blanket. So. So we can do it, dude. Making moves. I just put a blanket over my head. Does that make that feel better? I will well say, I just did the same. <laughs> Tabo, do you have a blanket over your head? If not. Uh, not in my room. Not in this room. Alright, well, Tabo's already slacking. <laughs> um. Dang, dude. But like I said, it's such a big week. I thought we have to produce something. You know, we have to put some sort of reaction out there in A, what we saw last night in the Super Bowl, and B, what we may see this coming Thursday with some NBA trade talk. Um, obviously, big night last night for someone's team here. It wasn't it wasn't Tabo's. It, it wasn't Devin's because his didn't make the playoffs. And it definitely wasn't Alex's. <laughs> Uh, who, so there leaves one person who, whose team, whose team was that, Alex? Listen, man, congrats, I guess, dude. I don't know what to say anymore. Like, it's whatever it is, stupid. I'm <laughs> it's so dumb. They hate us because they ain't us. <laughs> right. I mean, it's true, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Alex? I would say... Go ahead. Okay, I would say, like, true sports fans, um, like, we'll never turn down an opportunity to watch history be made. I mean, and it, li- it was history, because before coming into this game, Tom Brady had won the most Super Bowls of any quarterback, but with his sixth last night, he's now won more Super Bowls than any player. I forgot who it was that he surpassed, but... Obviously, Joe Montana had four. Tom Brady surpassed that record two years ago. Um, there still was a player out there who had five. Tom Brady just beat that. So, is this? I mean, I want to get into this a little bit later. One of the questions I had for you guys is: Is this the most impressive Super Bowl victory for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? But first, I wanted to uh, give a heartfelt apology um, to a couple of my guys out there who I was wrong about and who I slandered and spoke ill about. 
Um, of course, I'm talking about the New England Patriots defense. Alex, Devin, and Tabo, you all can attest. I've not been very high on New England's defense in last year and a half. You have not. I've heard you slander week to week about it, but they stepped up when needs be. Uh, so, my sincerest of apologies to Stefan Gilmore, who he's taken the brunt of it. He, boy, have I said some things about him. Yes, you have. <laughs> what the list I've, got, I've got so many text messages to prove that, man. It's crazy. I know. Just every Sunday you, get your, you see a message. He should not be a DB in the NFL. Who the heck signed this guy over and over? Um, this guy's not NFL roster. He is the highest paid defensive player in New England history. Let that sink in. More than Teddy Bruschi, um, more than Junior Seau, and more than recently uh, approved Hall of Fame player Ty Law, who, shout out to Ty Law, Saturday night, found out that he was going to make it into the NFL Hall of Fame this summer. Um, he's being paid more than any of those guys ever were. So I was, it wasn't crazy to be like, man, why the heck are we paying this guy so much? However, he m- made it every cent completely worth it with one play uh, there at the end of the Super Bowl last night. Everything, everything I've said about him, all the money he's made, it all became worth it in, with one uh, interception. So shout out to Stefan Gilmore. I'm sorry. I also would like to apologize to Sh- Sony Michelle. I did not. I hated that draft pick, Alex. Hated it. Oh, yeah. Um, I was big on Lamar Jackson. Wanted Lamar Jackson. Needed Lamar Jackson. Uh, got Sonny Michelle. Did not like it. Yet, he had the most impressive postseason of anyone, I feel like, in the NFL. Like, even more so, more impressive than uh, Patrick Mahomes, more impressive than Drew Brees, more impressive than Tom Brady. More impressive than Jared Goff. Certainly more impressive than Todd Gurley, who got like eight touches in the final two games. Uh, He had something like six touchdowns this postseason. Truly spectacular, that guy. Wow. Only the second rookie running back, I think, to ever score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Uh, He had quite the postseason, and I hated that draft pick. I hated Sonny Michel up until like week six when he finally learned how to run the football against an NFL defense. So my sincerest apologies as well to Sonny Michelle. Yeah, he had a big game. Not only a big game, just big playoffs. All of it. Right, but I mean, he was very impressive yesterday. Yeah. It, a couple big, broke out for a couple big runs. It was a, it was a hard game offensively, obviously, 13-3, to lowest scoring Super Bowl in history, which crazy that this is the lowest scoring Super Bowl in NFL history, and yet it's the Patriots' biggest margin of victory in any of their Super Bowl wins. Yeah, that's that blew my mind away, man. Because like every time they win that game, it's going to be you know within three to four points. Seems to be, and here they are winning it by ten. Kind of crazy. Patriots' largest margin of victory is ten in the lowest scoring Super Bowl in history. Their second largest margin of victory came two years ago in overtime when they were down 28-3 to with 17 minutes left to play. That was their second biggest margin of victory. It was six in overtime. <laughs> this is the two most bizarre situations to have your biggest, like, 
technically biggest blowout wins. Um, but looking back at it, Tabo, we'll start with you and Alex. Who who do you think? I've talked about the defense. I talked about Stephon Gilmore. I've talked about Sony Michelle. Who who do you look at as des- the most deserving uh, of the credit for the victory last night for the New England? Um, I mean, I would I would say obviously like the Super Bowl MVP Julian Edelman had a had a really good game. Uh, had some uh, terrific catches. He's he's always been Brady, uh, one of Brady's favorite targets. He's a really good route runner. Um, he knows where to be within zone coverage. Um, I like, you know, it wasn't a lot of scoring, so I guess you would say each play um, weighed more on the, the decision of the game. And definitely Julian Edelman came came to play. I know you already talked about Stephon Gilmore, but a lot of people say that he was actually a, a snub for Super Bowl MVP because he had the forced fumble, and they had interception, some big uh, pass breakups. But Edelman came to play and he performed. Here's my here's my only issue with in terms of giving it to Stephon Gilmore, the MVP award is what we're talking about here. You, I don't know how you would justify giving it to like Gilmore ahead of other players on that defense. I mean, Jason McCourty had the maybe the play of the day, second behind that Stephon Gilmore interception when he covered 20 yards of ground to break up that pass to Brandon Cooks in the end zone. Uh, that came when the Rams were down three to nothing. So that he, if he doesn't get there, it easily could be seven three in favor of the Rams. That was a momentum. Uh, I'm not going to say changing play, but momentum stopping play. Uh, you could also give it to guys like Kyle Van Noy, Trey Flowers, Dante Hightower, who all finished with m- multiple sacks. That defense had multiple sacks against Jared Goff last night. Um, obviously, I think Gilmore had the play of the game. But I don't know how you could say that he alone deserves MVP and not just give it to that entire defense, you know? Yeah. Um, but Alex, going to you, who who do you think deserves the most credit for the Super Bowl victory for New England? Um, I, I've thought about a couple of things that you could go with that. I mean, yeah, defense as a whole, Jason McCourty, like that, that play is just... If you think of the pure athletic ability that takes, and just like he, the way he recovered on that, like how fast he got back to knock that out. Just so just he's not there. The ad- touchdown. Exact stat is that uh, it's at the moment the ball was thrown by Jared Goff, Jason McCourty was nineteen point three yards away from Brandon Cooks. So he covered nineteen over nineteen yards in the time that that ball was in the air. Yeah. Which is insanity. That is insanity. Yeah, that's just crazy. But, see, for me, it's hard to, I mean, yeah, Tom Brady may not have had his best game, but let's think about the MVP Edelman, right? Who, who threw in the ball? Yeah, that's Tom Brady. Like, that, this is the thing. These guys don't even get to the Super Bowl if they don't have Tom Brady. Yeah, Belichick's a great coach, but, like, you're not, you're not doing it without him. So I still have to give the credit to Tom Brady being the guy who he is. And, I mean, yeah, he's the best. Six rings down, man. Like, this dude did it. This <laughs> is crazy. Speaking of not being there without Tom Brady, 
Um, I do think it is interesting. A lot of the comments I've heard today in like national media is, oh, well, like Tom Brady wasn't very good. Like, you know, this is, he really didn't do anything to help the team win it in gen like himself. It was more on this defense defense, won him the game. Um, I would personally go with Bill Belichick and this was the most Bill Belichick, uh, deserving Super Bowl victory in my mind. Uh, simply because he it came down, the difference was coaching. Uh, the difference was adjustments. The difference was coming in, um, surprising your opponent. And that's every one of those categories. The edge goes to Bill Belichick. Um, but in terms of Brady getting them there, uh, Devin, we'll start with you. Is this the most impressive Super Bowl run uh, for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? Um, I think as a whole season, yes, because I think as a whole like regular season and playoffs, I think this is when they were the most doubted, in my opinion. You know, everyone at the beginning of the season, when they were three and five on the road, I believe, everyone was like, this isn't their year, but they'd be falling apart. But they once the playoff hits, they just continue to show why it's the best duo in history and why the Patriots are the best franchise in history. And it's a dynasty now. Um, it was just, I wouldn't say the Super Bowl game as a whole was their greatest Super Bowl victory ever. I would say that one against uh, Atlanta, that overtime and that big old the 28-3 comeback was their most impressive Super Bowl victory. But I think this is the most impressive as in the history made behind it. Yeah, well, looking at all of the, the whole season as a whole, um, and the Super Bowl run, rather than just like the Super Bowl victory. I mean, you yeah. look at some no, of the things that you get some of the things the Patriots have gone through this season. I've made a whole list uh, here. I'll read them off to you guys, and then Alex and Tom, I want to get your thoughts. Um, I'm. I've talked with Tony Parks about this a few, a couple of weeks back. Uh, Tony Parks works here at 1280 The Zone here in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, it, would this be Tom Brady's most impressive Super Bowl victory? And we both agreed yes, uh, just because of some of the things the Patriots have had to go through this season. You look back at it, Edelman uh, missed all of 2017 and then was suspended for the first four games this season. Gronkowski is a shell of himself. He's not at all the same player that he was even just you know three, four years ago. You lose Danny Amendola to the Dolphins via free agency. And on top of that, you also lose Deion Lewis and Malcolm Butler who both went to the Titans in free agency. They traded away Brandon Cooks to the Los Angeles Rams. Nate Solder left, who was one of your best offensive linemen. He goes to the New York Giants. Uh, you draft his replacement with your first draft pick in 2018. You lose him for the season after an Achilles injury. You play the entire season with a rookie running back. Your best receiver joined the team halfway through the season and then subsequently was kicked off the team due to continued drug use just a few weeks after that. Uh, the defense had the second fewest sacks of any team in the NFL this year. You go on the road in the AFC, for the AFC Championship for the fifth time since 2001, where you're 0-4 on the road in AFC Championship games. You go on to win your first uh, road AFC Championship game against a team that most people viewed as the most likely Super Bowl champion and already have opened off 2019 as the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl. Uh, next year in the Kansas City Chiefs and NFL MVP Patrick Mahomes. And you beat the Chiefs not once but twice in 2018-2019 season. 
Yeah, that's a pretty inc- impressive resume. Now reading that back, that and that just goes to show, like I said, Belichick and Tom Brady can win with anybody. Yeah, so I got to ask Tabo and uh, Alex that same question. Do you guys view this as the most impressive Super Bowl uh, run for Brady and Belichick? I do. Uh, you know, it, like you said, like these teams that they knock down, like going, going through and then being the underdogs for pretty much the majority of the way it was going to go, it's and not, exact, not having all the weapons that he should have. I mean, it's just... It, Tom Brady really did his best work this season, even though maybe not stats or however they want to look at it shows, but he truly did step up to the plate, which he needed to do. And Belichick coached it. Phenomenal, just did a phenomenal job. And that's the only thing you should expect from that guy. Tabo, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I'd say this run is pretty, it's pretty amazing. Like you said, um, the resiliency of the team having to overcome all those injuries and off-field stuff with Josh Gordon. But I think something that hasn't really been touched on is also really impressive that there's like a lot of, um, I would say there's a lot of other teams this year in the AFC that really that really stepped up. Like, you know, the Chiefs were great this year. The Chargers were great. Um, the Ravens were also someone you couldn't forget about. The Texans, the Colts, like teams that coming into the or like as the year was winding down, like teams that were on hot streaks, uh, teams that were hungry for playoff contention, and also teams that haven't seen a lot of playoff success in the last few years. So I think as like the Patriots, you know, everyone's saying like they're getting older, but you know they're aging like fine wine. Um, it's really hard for like new young guys to come in and be shut down because they're just like you know they're a little bit more like. Uh, up and at them, uh, they fly a little bit faster across the field. Um, they're just like loose, you know, that's just what happens with, with young guys. But just uh, all the credit to Brady and Belichick for really like sticking to their system, sticking to their game plan, knowing what has worked over the past decade and a half or almost two decades, committing to that and just knowing that we have the pieces that we need as long as we stick to our game plan. As long as we have the confidence and the belief in each other as a team, like we can make we can make greatness happen again. And they showed that last night. Um, no matter what situation they started with, no matter what happened in the middle of the road, they still got to the same destination that they had in the preseason was to get to Atlanta and bring home another chip. Yeah, well, I mean, nine Super Bowl appearances for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick uh, since 2001-2002 season. Uh, six championships, like it's, and the way in which they did it, uh, the different, you know, over the wide range of years, over you know, 18 years, 17 years, all the different players that have played with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, all the different teammates that Brady's had, all the different receivers he's had to throw to, um, all the different, you know, teams that have come and gone. Like you talked about, Tabo, the Colts were really good this year. Peyton Manning's Colts-era teams a decade ago uh, were really, really good. You know, these other teams and these other players that have come through the league since Brady and Belichick first won their their first Super Bowl in 2001-2002 and to be here 17 years later still winning Super Bowls, uh, the rules of the game have changed. The salary cap rules in the NFL have changed. 
and they still year after year nine times in the last 17 years have gone to the Super Bowl. It, it's which is why personally uh, I think this has been the greatest team dynasty in all of sports um, for that reason alone. Just the longevity that they've been able to do it with the changing landscape of the NFL uh, has really been impressive. No one? <laughs> no one else had something to say? I mean, I don't know. You can't say much better, right? Um, That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just the way it goes. Another player that's... I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like a broken record talking about the Patriots and their impressive Super Bowl run. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it's a broken record I'll listen to over and over again, so I'm fine <laughs> with it. Um, a player that's going to be looking to get his first ring, his first championship, um, hopefully in the next coming seasons, is Bryce Harper. The only difference is Bryce Harper doesn't know where he's going to be playing um, in 2019 yet. Well, maybe he does know and he just hasn't announced it yet. Um, but I wanted to quickly get your guys' thoughts before we move on to some NBA trade talk, uh, where you think Bryce Harper should sign. I mean, the San Diego Padres met with Harper Thursday night, uh, reportedly had a good meeting with some of their front office staff. The Phillies have seemed to be the favorite at times uh, to sign the right fielder. And then, of course, the Washington Nationals, uh, the team that he's played for for the past seven seasons, remain a strong candidate. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts, guys, on where you think he should go or where you think he will go. Um, start with Alex and kind of work our way around. Yeah, um, that's hard because, like you said, the Phillies seem to be, like at times, like that's the favorite. And first off, I'm going to knock out the Padres. I really don't think that's where he's going to end up. I'm sure it's wrong in former San Diego, but he ain't getting no rings there. He has, he has um, got, San Diego is where he was married. Um, vacations in San Diego. Wife's from Vegas. Oh, I thought she's from San Diego. <laughs> no, they're from, Ve- both of them are Vegas kids. Uh, but San Diego, not All far right. from Vegas. Of these three teams, San Diego is the closest to Las Vegas. Um, they vacation True. there often. Um, he's been on record saying he loves San Diego. He likes the Padres Stadium. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that the lack of winning would keep, or recent success would keep the Padres out. But go on, Alex. I personally, I still think it does. I mean, he's seven years down, right? Like, what do you what do you want when you're seven years into a league the that du- you don't have, right? The one you thing the Padres do. The one thing the Padres do have going for them is the number one farm system in baseball, according to MLB.com, which features the second best prospect in all of baseball and Fernando Tatis Jr. So they've got got the young talent, but I'm with you, Alex. I mean, they haven't really been a competitor in our lifetimes, really. Um, Tabo knows more about, like, the history of baseball from when we were kids. I don't know, Tabo, were they ever good when we were younger? I don't think so. I never remember people talking, oh, the Padres. I don't remember the Padres ever being good. <laughs> uh, I'd probably say, uh, yeah, they, they've had like some winning seasons, but no no deep playoff run since, since it's been relevant to our lives. Uh, they do have Eric Hosmer, who won a World Series just a few years ago with the Royals, although he kind of has had an up-and-down career. Um. Padres are a dark horse. Phillies, I, I don't, more of a personal bias. I don't want him to go to the Phillies. 
Pablo, I'm sorry. I know you're kind of a Phillies guy. Um, I don't know. The, the only appeal I see the Phillies having is the potential to play with Mike Trout in 2020. Yeah. Um, I'm going to chime in here. I'd say I wouldn't rule out the Padres, like Alex said, for the similar reasons you said, Hunter. It, do, it does seem like they're almost every other weekend in the offseason in San Diego just seeing pitchers. It was their choice to where he got married in the temple, so clearly it means something to them being there. And if his wife has anything to say in it, I'm sure that's where she wants. But other than that, I think that is a place where he could potentially win. They have a very young um, but good bullpen coming up. Like Hunter said, they have an excellent farm system, number one, and some great young prospects. So I think if he's looking to win in the next, obviously not this year. I think they'll be better this year, especially with him. But they have a young, nice outfield as well that I think they could win in the next few years. But if he wants to win now, I don't see any of these three options of being a threat to make a huge playoff run. So if he's looking to win in the future, I think he's going to end up in San Diego. Does anyone think Nationals maybe? I mean, Devin said he doesn't think any of these teams are poised for a playoff run. I would argue the Nationals probably have the best um, in that, you yeah, know this year. They're, they're not going to knock off the Sox or anyone, so I wouldn't see it. Uh, baseball's different, man. Like, baseball's always changing. The Royals and Mets were in the World Series, you know, three, four years ago, and now they're... But if the Sox bullpen, if the Sox bullpen and lineup doesn't change, the Sox are going to repeat next year. Well, speaking... take that, take that to the paint. Well, speaking of the bullpen, the Nationals have one of the best uh, pitching rotations in all of baseball. Yeah. You've got Max Scherzer, you got... Uh, Steven Strasburg, you just added uh, the new guy from... What has he done with them? What has he done with that bullpen? I mean, I'm with you. They haven't won... I mean, they've never won a playoff series since Bryce Harper joined the team, but I'm saying of these three, you'd have to look at the the Nationals as the best option if you're in win-now mode. If you're in winning this season, you got to look at the Nationals as the best option. Phillies, you would think, well, they're probably not going to compete for championships now, but if Mike Trout comes over in free agency in two years, then they're automatically a contender. That's an excellent point. And Padres, you just kind of have to wait for that young talent to come over, kind of go with a Chicago Cubs-style rebuild, where you just wait for the young guys um, to you know, get some experience in the league and you know, make a World Series run. Right. Um, I'm looking at yeah. it this way. I'm, I'm kind of looking at the LeBron way that, you know, LeBron didn't necessarily go to L.A. to win championships right away. He also went to build his name in Hollywood, his name in California's mantra, so to speak. Should Bryce Harper do that, going to San Diego, maybe raise a little family there um, and look towards the future? Well, it is interesting. Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's only 26, so winning now really isn't much of a concern, I wouldn't think, for him, especially if he's looking for a 10-year deal. He doesn't want to go somewhere where you're going to be successful for the first two years and terrible for the, you know, back eight years. Um, additionally, if he is wanting a 10-year deal, you'd have to think, well, this is probably where he's going to settle down, where he's going to raise his family. Uh, he and his wife were married. Wait, San Diego is looking like your best option. I mean, if I'm raising a family in these three cities, San Diego would probably be one, Washington two, Philadelphia three. Um, 
Ultimately, I think it comes down to whoever offers them the most money, however. I think that's kind of what's taking precedence in this free agent race. Do we know if San Diego has the money to throw at him? Uh, they have money to work with, I think. I mean, baseball's different because there's really no salary cap. Right, you just kind of right. throw as much money as you're willing. Um, and San Diego's actually come out and said that they view Bryce Harper, signing Bryce Harper, not only as a baseball move, but as a business and a marketing move. You know, you bring Bryce Harper into town, you're suddenly putting butts in seats, and you're selling jerseys, and you're selling caps, and... You know, if Bryce Harper goes to San Diego, you already know I'm probably going to be rocking a Bryce Harper Padres jersey. Uh, and so is every Mormon kid in San Diego, which it's a high Mormon population. So, look at it that way. He's going to be the fan favorite right away. Um, I Real quick, because I want to get to this NBA talk, we'll start talk with you. Of these three teams, who, if you had to put money on it right now, where are you saying Bryce Harper signs? Putting money on it. Uh, well, I was just gonna comment saying like I I feel like it'd be smartest for um, just like knowing Bryce Harper and just his competitive edge to to stay in the NL and like go to the Phillies. But I feel like I feel like as you guys were talking about like, going down the road, step down the road, also building your personal brand. And also a business move and a baseball move that um, he could see that in the long run it would be more beneficial for him to go to San Diego just on top of all your other comments. So I think he should go to Philadelphia, but my money is my money could be a kind of a curveball in that he signs with the Padres. Alex? Yeah, I'm going to put my money on the Phillies. I mean, if you can get down there and you get Bryce Harper down there, you like this It'd be, it'd be great. And real quick, the Padres haven't been in the playoffs since 2006. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's what they're dealing with. But Bryce Harper comes to town, ends a postseason drought. Maybe. That's all he's ending. Just he's not going to go that far with these Padres. He's not going to go that far with either of those teams, all three of them. Well, that's the thing is with the Phillies, you got to, if you want to, win a World Series, you're probably going to have to really bank on Mike Trout comes in 2020. Exactly. Um, I mean, Trout's technically not like a hometown kid, but he grew up in New Jersey, just a little bit outside of Philadelphia. Big Eagles fan, Sixers fan, so he likes Philly sports. So you'd kind of have to suspect if Mike Trout, when Mike Trout becomes a free agent in 2020, the Phillies are obviously going to be a contender. Um but to say that they're, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that Trout goes to Phillies, I wouldn't go that far. Um, but right. Devin, your prediction, and then I'll give mine. Uh, my prediction, I'm Colin Atkins going to go to San Diego. All right, so we got two San Diego, one Philly. I guess I'll break the trend and say Nationals. I think, I think that he wants to re-sign with the Nationals. I think he's just kind of, you know going out there to try to get the Nationals to bump up their offer. Um, you know, I think if, if he really didn't want to re-sign with the Nationals, they wouldn't still be in the conversation. I mean, many times, you know, when free agents are set on leaving, they're, you know, it comes out pretty early that, hey, we're not going to re-sign with Washington or we're, we're not going to re-sign with the team that they just were on. 
Um, I would love to see him back with the Nationals. I also, the more I've been thinking about it and this weekend, the more I would be a fan of him going to San Diego. I would think him to the Padres would be uh, fantastic. It would be really exciting. Um, yeah. Just a f- few hours away from where we're at, you know, next time we're in SoCal, maybe go hit up a Padres game, see Bryce Harper out there uh, hitting some home runs, hitting some dingers. Uh, of course. I, but yeah, like I said, I just don't want him to go to the Phillies, honestly. I'm anti-Phillies. I'm pro-Padres and Nationals. I don't think they'll go to the Phillies, but that's just my personal. Um, Nothing against Philly. I just don't think he will. Bryce Harper, however, not the only player that could possibly switch teams uh, in the coming days. NBA trade deadline, guys, Thursday. It's the biggest week in basketball especially with the finals being how they've been. Um, this really is the most exciting week NBA fans get each season. So I've, I've got some hypothetical. I don't have specific hypothetical trades, but more of just key players and teams. Um, and I want you guys to grade out the likelihood of them occurring with one being not going to happen and a five being like, oh yeah, like, for sure, 100%, this guy is going to this team, all right? Okay. Um, so the first one, local trade, the likelihood that Tobias Harris is traded to the Utah Jazz before noon on Thursday. Who's starting? Whoever wants to start. I'm just kind of throwing them out. got to get some people's... I'm, I'm going to say uh, that's a one, because I think they're going to pick him up in the offseason. Alex? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to say, I'm going to say two, because, you know, you never, I never say, I never throw out not happening and never say never, except, you know, on other certain things, but like, you know, the Bear Browns or whatever. But either way, Tobias Harris probably not going to get traded to the Jazz in this deadline. Uh, Tabo? Yeah, I, I would say it'd be like a little bit shocking. Uh, I agree with what you said, you know, never say never, anything can happen, and obviously the, the business thing, but I feel like, based on what I've seen, more of the, the interest is for for the Jazz is improving at the, the one spot, or improving the backcourt for Donovan, so I think it's going to be a one or two. Um, I'm going with one, just because I don't think he's really available all that much, I think, you know... Teams are going to do their due diligence during the trade deadline week, kind of, you know, ask around. But I think it would take a monumental offer to get Tobias Harris away from the Clippers, so I'm going to go with one as well. Um, Mike Conley to the Utah Jazz, another local one. Um, I'm going to go with a two, just to never say never, but that's a big contract to take on. I don't know. But if you're the Jazz, this is the time to take on big contracts. You're in win-now mode. You're really not paying Donovan Mitchell anything. Uh, Mike Conley's deal expires the same time that Donovan will be up for an extension. So if you're going to go big on, you know, swing for the fences on a player and kind of overpay them, now's the time. This is my argument in okay, terms of Mike Conley's contract. Three. It's, it's been such a buzz. <laughs> I'm going to go for three. All right, Alex. Yeah, no, I'm rolling with a four because I'm kind of with you on that. We need to go get them, and we need to get it done. Uh, now I can't say five because I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the Jazz, and I don't know what's happening. But I'm going four because we need them, and it's going to help us win now. 
Tabo. Uh, quick question. How old is Mike Conley? Uh, 31. Okay. Or thereabouts. He's not, like, he's not, not too old. It's not like he's crazy, um, like 36 like, or anything, you know? Yeah. Um, I'll probably say like a three and a half, if I'm allowed to say that. We'll round it up to a four. Um, yeah, we'll round it up to a four. I like that. Four, I mean, personally, I have a lot of respect for Mike Conley. I like his game. Seems like a good guy. He'd be, uh, I feel like he's very... Uh, teachable. He would be able to hop right in the system pretty well. And he's a very humble player, too. And yeah, it would be sweet to see Conley in a Jazz jersey. And I think the only thing he could do is uh, improve the team. Yeah, I'm going with a four here. A, I already talked about how his contract kind of fits in. B, I think Mike Conley's the exact player you want if you're the Jazz. You know, he's a big-name player. He's a star player. Um, but he's not, you know, overly flashy. He doesn't have a big ego. He kind of just comes to work, does his job, puts up big numbers. He's great defensively. He won't really be a drop-off from Ricky Rubio. However, the offensive production will practically double uh, going from Ricky Rubio to Mike Conley great locker room guy never really been any off the court issues or in the locker room issues so i'm gonna go with a four uh that might just be kind of wishful thinking on my part um but sticking with mike conley something that was floated out today or this morning mike conley to the detroit pistons um i'll i'll go with a two there just because i'd much rather see him on the jazz but um I guess if it's being floated around, though, then it's definitely and they're definitely trying to make big moves to try and get him. Although I think he'd be much better off himself, and I'm sure he would much rather go to the Jazz if he's in a little bit older, kind of middle-aged in the NBA. If he wants to win now, he'd go to Utah. Yeah, the only thing is it's not I really agree. up to him. I'm going with the two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Going with the two because the Pistons aren't that ready-to-win now team. You know, you're going to have to work a little bit. And, you know, it's been tossed out there, I guess. I'm going with – that's the only reason I'm going with the two because, I mean, I guess there's something going on there, but he's going to go to the Jazz. Tabo? Um, I'll probably – Take it up a little bit. Probably say like a three. Um, I think also that's like a good fit. Um, that's a position where they could improve at. They have like Ed Blaker in there. You got a good role players like Reggie Bullock. Um, I'm not like I don't know too much about Detroit's bench and like you know pieces that they're um, willing to offer, but I feel like that'd also be. Pretty good fit for for Mike Conley, but like you know, with the rest of the crew, he just looked better in a in a Jazz jersey. And the Jazz are they already know their potential, and like they're in that whole win now mood. Um, it just makes more sense for Mike Conley to be a Jazz man. Yeah, I'm going with a two here, um, just because. So Detroit's uh, offer for Mike Conley, obviously. 
they have more to offer in terms of draft pick value. Obviously, if Detroit and Jazz are going head up on first round draft picks, the Detroit one's going to hold more value and hold more weight simply because it's going to be a better pick, um, most likely a lottery pick. However, I think Detroit, if you're Detroit, I don't know really how he fits in the roster simply because they don't have really the talent to compete in the East. So I don't think Mike Conley makes that big of a difference um, in terms of winning. So if you're Detroit, why would you pay a guy $32 million a season if he's not going to be the difference in terms of competing? Whereas the Jazz, they have the infrastructure, they have the roster there where a guy like Mike Conley would make a difference between getting you know the sixth seed in the West or the three seed in the West. So I feel like the Jazz have more incentive to kind of make a deal for Mike Conley as opposed to the Pistons. Right. Um, a little dark horse one for you, Jeremy Lin to the Kings. I don't think that matters at all, but um, I'm going to go with a two. Either way, he's going from one crappy roster to the other and will come off the bench either way. Alex? Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm going I'm going in a three, though, just because I'm going to stick it right in the middle because I don't know <laughs> why you would want to do this that much. Because it's Jeremy Lin, who doesn't bring that much value as of right now. I mean, yeah, sure, he was a thing, but he's not that guy anymore. And again, what Devin said, crappy team to crappy team. What point does it have? Tavo? Uh, I just saw something recently. I think I'm going to bleach report how, like, how well the, the teams have been doing recently. Uh, so, I think... Define well. The fringe of, play, fringe of playoff contention. Okay, uh, well, I would say, yeah, I would say if you're the Sacramento Kings, if anything, you need more of, like, a veteran leader and stuff, because obviously, you've got a bunch of college stars, basically, and that's what, that's what Charlotte is, too, but Where's Charlotte going? They're not. They're not getting anywhere. So I, I don't think Jeremy Lin's gonna help you see the improvements that you'd like to see. I don't so think. I'll, I would say. Go ahead. No, oh, no. Give your ranking, and then I'll go. Yeah, I was just gonna say two as well. So I'm going right in the middle with a three. I think, you know, I agree with all your guys' points. Jeremy Lin's not going to really make a difference for the Kings, although they could use a solid backup point guard behind De'Aaron Fox. Um, And I think Jeremy Lin can provide that, you know, just being a guy to come off the bench, give you minutes. He's not going to light it up uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but just anything, you know, to prevent any damage being done when De'Aaron Fox is off the court. This is a trade where, you know, they're not going to spend half an hour breaking it down on Sports Center, but it's a trade that, you know, if it came across on Twitter, you know, if Woj was like, oh, the Hawks are sending Jeremy Lin to the Kings for Amon Shumpert, you would just kind of be like, okay, all right, all right. You know, it's not going to turn any heads, but it's not something that if it came across, you'd be shocked by. All right. Um... Another trade that could be similar to that, something you won't be shocked by, is Nikola Mirotic to the Sixers. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. I'm going to give it a four. But I'd love to see him on the Jazz instead, but I don't know. If we get Conley and him, and we need more, uh, the Jazz need more production at the point guard. 
rather than the shooting guards. So small forward. I'd like to see it happen to the Jazz, but I think he's going to go to um, the Sixers. Somebody would afford. Well, for the record, Meritich is a four uh, power uh, forward. Yeah, I meant four. I mean, I'm sorry. They need more. That's exactly what the Jazz are needing right now, though. Uh, Alex? Yeah, so I'm going to go with a four, him going to the Sixers. Now, I like to think that we could get him on the Jazz, but I just have a hard time thinking of what we're going to be able to give up to, you know, to work with getting Conley and Miritich. That would just be kind of hard for me. And I, you know, I think whatever you're being here in, we're favoring the Sixers. So I'm going with a four, and I think they're going to get it done. Tabo? Um, probably four as well. Uh, the Sixers are definitely a team that loves foreigners, and foreigners do pretty well with them as well. Um, also, I believe that the Sixers aren't super happy with how the season has gone so far. I feel like they believe there's more for them to achieve. Um, so they should be active this week, and Miritich could definitely. Um, help them improve, help them get to where they want to be and uh, start seeing those improvements to help them push an NBA Finals run. Well, we've got the Wendy's 4 for 4 in here because I'm going 4 as well. Um, I'm glad Tabo went 4 because I thought of it as soon as Alex said 4. And then I was like, if Tabo ruins this by not going 4 here, my pun, my joke is going to be totally for nothing. So thank you, Tavo. Um, yeah, I'm going. I I, I'm going to four too. I think you know the Sixers. They relied so heavily on guys like uh, uh, Dario Saric last season to kind of spread the floor as a stretch four. You know, a guy who could step on the outside, not uber athletic by you know by any means, but somebody who could just come in and knock down threes. And I think Nikola Mirotic is that exact same way. He fits the Dario Saric mode or mold exactly. So I think, you know, similar, I wouldn't, it's not something people are going to talk about for hours on sports talk radio, but it's not something that I'd be shocked um, in seeing on the Twitter sphere. Something I would be shocked on the Twitter sphere to see is Lonzo Ball to the Suns, however. There's been kind of floated out. LeVar Ball today talked about if his son goes anywhere, he wants his son to go to Phoenix. Uh, Devin has... Oh, that's just... I was about to say, Devin has strong opinions on Lonzo Ball. So let's hear your... LeVar Ball will sit back, and he acts like his son's LeBron James, and he can just choose wherever he wants to go, and everyone's going to throw the massive money at him. What has he proved yet to be that guy, first off? Second off, he's going to go wherever the Lakers trade him if he gets traded back. He's not going to have some big old choice of which team he wants to choose and go to. His dad is not going to speak that into existence. He's going to speak that into existence as much as he spoke his middle son into the NBA. So, how'd that? Okay. No, I'm giving that a one. If he gets traded anywhere, he's going to New Orleans. I'm on that on that number one train. That I don't care what Levar Ball says. No one cares what Levar Ball says. He's just some ignorant piece of crap, and I don't like him. So Lonzo going to the Suns. When I saw that, it's just like whatever, man. Like you're high. So four to one. Tabo, are you as anti Lonzo as these uh, two? I don't 
calling me an anti-Lavar. Well, I mean, the, the two are go hand in hand at this point, right? What What are you saying? I are think most of America, besides the nation, is. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Suits up whenever Lonzo suits up. That's on me. Kaba uh, Loki liked Lavar Ball. That's not good. Lavar Ball. No, I don't like Lavar Ball. You did. You'd, I was just saying. Remember was, when you said you'd rather be part of the about. Ball family? Oh, yeah, that's right. You did say that. The most heated argument we've ever had on the podcast was when Tabo said he'd rather be a member of the Ball family than the Kardashian family. Yeah, which is such crap. Such crap. <laughs> At least I have one person that backs up, so I don't think I that. Well, that's great. One person, just like Lonzo with LeVar. That's all he's got. <laughs> all right, anyway, I would also say this is very unlikely. Um, all the... Spotlight is on the Lakers drawing up any sort of magic trick, anything that's amusing to the Pelicans just so they can get KD in every scenario. Lonzo Ball is a part of it. So, sorry, LeVar, but it looks like, you know, like Devin said, if your boy's moving anywhere, it's going to be going to Noah. Not, not going to be going to Phoenix. That's out of the question. So, I'm actually going reverse from all of you. I'm going to the four here. I think the Lonzo Ball to the Suns makes great sense if you're all three teams. I think Phoenix has young players that they can send to New Orleans. And if you're New Orleans, if so work out this three-way deal where everyone goes to New Orleans in exchange for Anthony Davis, except Lonzo Ball goes to Phoenix. Because if you're New Orleans... Why you have Drew Holiday at the point? Why would you want to take on Lonzo Ball to be your backup and have to deal with Lavar Ball? You don't want that headache, and so you say send him to Phoenix. Phoenix is in desperate need of a point guard, and Phoenix has young players or draft picks that they could in turn send to New Orleans, which would benefit the Pelicans way more you think than Lonzo give Ball would. I think they would. Jaron Jackson? Josh, yeah. Josh Jackson, not Jaron Jackson. My bad. Jaron Jackson plays yeah. for Memphis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Jaron Jackson, you have Kelly Oubre. He plays similar style and similar position to Josh Jackson. So you send Jackson to New Orleans, and you have Lonzo go to Phoenix. Anything to get Lonzo Ball's average playoff bleacher report every night, I'm fine with. Um, the opposite of, obviously in that trade scenario, Anthony Davis goes to the Pelicans, but what if Anthony Davis were to go to the Bucks? It'd be a one-year stop. I don't know, they were on his team list of places he would resign. AD wants to go to the Lakers, he's made it clear, I know he gave a list, but all in the end, he wants to be with LeBron James in L.A. That's what I think, and that seems to be the case. But, I mean, he could go and win now if he went to uh, if he went to Milwaukee. They have the core to do it. So, I mean, I'm just going to – I'm going to put a solid three there. And I say that because um, if he goes there, even if it's a one-year stop, maybe it could be like the – Kawhi Leonard, where you're just thinking, and the Paul George, where you're just thinking on him staying and just giving it a shot. Uh, Tabo and Alex, uh, real quick. A lot of that core to get him. 
Yeah, no, I'm going with a two. Only reason being a two is because the win now feature um, with the Bucks that got team to do it. Um, but he's going to end up in L.A. I mean, that's that's whatever. And, and like, I don't know. I just don't see why other teams are going to try to fight for him if he's, you know, made it clear that he wants to be in L.A., but then also saying they're just, you're just going to rent this dude for a year. And I just don't see why it's worth it to try to trade for him. So I'm going with a two. Tabo? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty torn because, yeah, you know, you have the whole Paul George thing where it worked out and he uh, re-signed with the, the Thunder. But also, I would also, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the two. And my point's a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to go with the famous saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. How the Bucks are the best team in the East without AD. So you want to get it, you want to get it, you have to. You're going to have to give up some pieces. And then you have to go through team chemistry again. Uh, everyone's play styles, their habits on the court and stuff. And I think that might be too risky for Milwaukee. So I'm going to go with the two. So I'm going zero here just because kind of to the point Tabo said, if you're the Bucks, why would you blow up your roster here to try to get one guy when you're already number one in the Eastern Conference? And even if you were to blow up your roster, obviously you're not going to trade Giannis. I don't see how they could package together an offer that would beat out the Lakers of just draft picks and everybody. That's a great, a great point. Um, which then leaves Anthony Davis to the Lakers. The likelihood of that, one through five. Five. Alex? That's a five for me. Tabo? Tabo. Yeah, it's a four or five because... As we know, the Lakers are willing to do just about anything. They're willing to, to give up half the Staples Center for him. They're willing to give up, yeah, yeah. Half their fans, half of their draft picks, half of their starting rotation. Yeah, I'm going five here. I'm not going to be shocked to win. Anthony Davis is playing for the Lakers by Thursday. And I hope that L.A. has to give up everything. I hope they just have to trade everybody. It's music to my ears as well, Hunter. I agree with you. Um, and Washington just all And it just doesn't work out because Anthony Davis gets hurt and him and LeBron end up hating each other. I don't know. Something. Something please, that... Please. Just... please. I hope that trade just crashes and when he goes to LA, I hope he just crashes and burns and the Lakers just have another 10 years of crap. Well, it's no secret where Devin lies on this. <laughs> Uh, well, thanks, guys, for joining me via phone for the podcast this week in our makeshift studios all across the neighborhoods of Salt Lake. Everyone is in a different room under a different blanket. So we, hopefully the audio and everything worked out well. Hopefully people who are listening understood what was being said. We had some. Pr- I feel like we had some pretty good takes, pretty good opinions. So thank you, everyone, for contributing. Of course, no problem. Hi, thanks for listening to the Beehive Sports Podcast. Uh, Don't forget to go follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, go tweet at us, um, subscribe to the podcast on Google, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. Uh, Appreciate everyone who participated in the polls that we put out on Instagram this weekend. Got some good feedback on those, so we potentially could be switching up the podcast structure. in the coming days or coming weeks. So stay tuned for that, but peace.